Uh, there's an outline you can you can follow along for the talk as you came in. Uh, but let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we, we praise you and we thank you for how great and marvellous you are and the wonderful things you have done for us. Heavenly Father, we pray as we read your word again this morning that you would remind us of these things and fill us with joy and thanks. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Or when is the last time that you rejoiced in your salvation? Uh, when is the last time that you stopped and you just wanted to say to God, thank you God for saving me. It's just so wonderful to be a Christian. Uh, I think it's easy for us to forget the joy of being saved. Uh, I think some of us will get so caught up in the, the, the busyness of, of life and all of the exciting things that are happening for us that we just forget to say thank you to God for, for saving us. Others of us can, can just feel so weighed down by the, the humdrum of life, of work and traffic jams and meetings and feeding the kids that we just forget the joy of being saved and loved by God. I mean, sometimes we can even be doing all of the Christian stuff, can't we? Can be coming to church we can be reading our Bibles, going to Tuesday night training, uh, but then uh, we sing the songs and, and the joy is, is just not there. Now we read the Bible and we hear the good news about Jesus, but the emotion is just not there at all. It doesn't move us. And we know that we should reach out with this news to all the world, but, but then the motivation just is just a little bit lacking. It's easy to feel flat, and unmotivated instead of rejoicing in God. Well, what can help us to rejoice again in our salvation? Uh, what can help us to refire that desire to honour God in all of our life? Uh, what can help us through the, the highs and the lows of life to keep singing with joy for all the things that God has done for us? Well, we think we should give thanks that God has given us this part of the Bible, Isaiah chapter 12, because Isaiah chapter 12 is just one of those beautiful, wonderful reflections on the goodness of salvation. Now, Isaiah wants to remind us how good it is to be saved by God, how joyful it is to have your sins forgiven, how worthy God is to be praised in all the earth. So open up your Bibles to, to Isaiah chapter 12 and let's read this great passage uh, one more time. We begin Isaiah chapter 12 and verse 1. You will say in that day, you will say in that day. Now which day is he talking about? That's always a good question to ask. I have to you know, bring out my phone and look up my diary and, and, and hope that I, ooh, I'm preaching this morning. <laughs> it's very useful to have a diary, isn't it? Uh, what day uh, is he talking about? That day. Well, if you hold on to your seats, I'm going to take us through the first 11 chapters of Isaiah just to remind us what that day is about. So let's go. Uh, Isaiah was a prophet from the 8th century BC uh, during a time of great strife for God's people. Uh, externally, uh, they were being oppressed by superpowers like the Assyrians. Internally, they, they were full of, of conflict and strife and, and corruption. Uh, and so in chapter chapter 1, uh, Isaiah it brings this terrifying message for the present. Uh, he says that, that, that God's, God's city, Jerusalem, 
uh, and his people are under a terrifying judgment of God. Now, chapter 1, he says that God is, is angry because they're, they're doing all this religious stuff, if you like, they're coming to church, but they're actually ignoring God and not obeying him at all. So God is angry. He says, I can't stand this, this church stuff, all this ritual, when you don't follow me. Uh, in chapter 2, he, he moves on and he condemns their, their pride and, and their corruption and, and their greed. Uh, in chapters 3 to 5, God, God finally reaches his verdict. His people must be destroyed. Uh, God is going to send the mighty nation Assyria to come and wipe them out. Uh, the country will be burned, the people will be killed, and whatever remains will be taken off into exile. In chapter 6 is kind of the centrepiece of, of the section and, and there we meet Isaiah himself. He, he comes face to face with the holy God and God says to him, please preach this message of judgment and preach it until it all comes true. So Isaiah had a message for the present, a message for the present, a terrifying one. But he also had a message for the future, a message of great hope and, and that starts to come out uh, in the second part. Uh, in chapter 2 we find that uh, in, the, in the last days that, that God is going to be exalted as the great king over all. All the nations are going to come to him. Uh, in chapter 7 we, we meet one called Emmanuel. We find out that God is, is going to come and, and live with his people again and turn the darkness to light. And finally when we reach chapter 11 we find out that in that day, God's Messiah, King, is going to come. And have a look at chapter 11, just the previous page. You see the first verses there, he's going to reign with, with justice and, and righteousness. The Spirit of God will be upon him. We look down and we, we look at verses 6 to 9 and we see he's going to bring about a wonderful new creation uh, where God's people will dwell in peace, just like Eden. And in fact, when we get to verse 10, we see those very words. In that day, the root of Jesse, the Messiah, shall stand as a signal for the peoples. Of him shall the nations inquire, and his resting place will be glorious. In that day, the Lord will extend his hand a second time to recover the remnant remains of his people. Do you see, in that day, that day is actually the day of salvation. Uh, it's the day when God's judgment turns to, to peace and blessing again. It's the day when the Messiah comes to bring all of that about. See, in short, Isaiah's message was a message of salvation for a people under judgment. And so when we come to chapter 12, with all of that knowledge, Isaiah reflects on that wonderful gift of salvation. And he tells us very helpfully how we should respond when that wonderful day comes. So verse 1, chapter 12. You will say in that day, I will give thanks to you, O Lord, for though you were angry with me, your anger turned away, that you might comfort me. Uh, now the you here is in the singular. Uh, what Isaiah is saying is when the day of salvation comes, well, well you Melissa and, and you Gary and, and, and meet him. We, we all need to say these words. All of us need to listen. You and I, we should all be thankful because God has 
turned his anger to comfort. Friends, isn't that something that is worth thanking God for? I mean, we, we sometimes underestimate what a terrible prospect it is to be under the anger of God. But if anyone knew what it was like, it was the prophet Isaiah. He himself saw God's wrath fall on his people. Just listen to a couple of verses that he wrote earlier in the the book. Chapter 5, verse 25, I think it's on the screen. Therefore the anger of the Lord was kindled against his people, and he stretched out his hand against them and struck them, and the mountains quaked, and their corpses were as refuse in the midst of the streets. For all this his anger has not turned away, and his hand is outstretched still. A bit later, chapter 10. What will you do on the day of punishment, in the ruin that will come from afar? To whom will you flee for help, and where will you leave your wealth? Nothing remains but to crouch among the prisoners, or fall among the slain. For all this, his anger has not turned away, and his hand is stretched out still. See, friends, God's anger is terrifying. (laughs) To have God angry with you, well, that's the worst thing that can possibly happen to you. I mean, it's bad enough to have your your parents angry with you or your spouse angry with you. But God, uh, God is the righteous, holy judge, ruler of the heavens and the earth. And when God is angry, well, it inevitably ends up in destruction and ruin. For those on the wrong side of it. I mean, just imagine how angry you would get if uh, someone cut you off on the road or, you know, they drove as if their grandfather owned the road. (laughs) It's pretty angry. But that's something very small, isn't it? Imagine if God beheld our our whole life, uh, if he chose to to mark all those times when we were proud and, and selfish and corrupt and and greedy and lying, all those times we neglected our neighbours, we disobeyed him, that we ignored him. I tell you, God would be very angry, wouldn't he? And rightly so. And the results, that would be terrifying, wouldn't it? It would be like getting a match and, and putting it next to it and a stick of dynamite. be explosive. Friends, just like Israel... We all deserve God's righteous anger poured out against us. That thought should should drive us to despair. It should make us fear. And if it does, then how sweet to our ears will be the news that we read here, isn't it? God's anger has turned away. His anger has turned to comfort. Imagine that, hearing that, that, that flood of God's righteous anger against you, it has subsided. Imagine that instead of, of God being angry with you and punishing you, he's going to forgive you and bless you. I tell you, that would be wonderful news, wouldn't it? That would be news worth thanking God for, thanking him for his grace and his mercy. Now, Isaiah could only, could only dream of that day when the Messiah would come, when, when all this would become a reality. 
He could only look forward to that day uh, he spoke of in Isaiah 53 when the suffering servant would come and, and bear the sins of the people. But friends, we know that this day it has come, hasn't it? That we know that, that, that God has sent his Messiah so that God's anger could be turned away. And that's what we're celebrating, isn't it, this week at Christmas time, that the Saviour has come. See, Jesus came into our world so that he would die as the saviour of the world. So just, just picture Jesus there, hanging on the cross. What did he say? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? See, what was happening to Jesus as he, as he hung there on the cross? Well, God had, had taken away his, his anger from you and me and he'd, he'd focused it all onto Jesus. Jesus was forsaken. He was abandoned by God as he hung there on the cross. If you like, Jesus was like a lightning rod at the top of a building. He was, he was lifted up and he was, he was struck with a terrible blow so that we inside would be, would be kept safe and protected. See, this day of of salvation has arrived. The day when God's anger is turned away, it's here. And so every one of us can walk out of this room today and know that God's anger has permanently been turned away from me. Isn't that comforting? Isn't that worth rejoicing over? Doesn't it make you just want to recite those words with Isaiah? I will give thanks to you, O God, for though you were angry with me, your anger turned away, that you might comfort me. Well, he goes on in in verse 2 to to tell us more of what the, the proper response to this news of salvation is, and it's to trust God. Have a look at verse 2. Behold, God is my salvation, I will trust and will not be afraid. For the Lord God is my strength and my song and he has become my salvation. As you see, the, the only thing that can, can stop you from, from sharing in this wonderful blessing of having God's anger turned away, the only way you can miss out on that is by failing to trust God. So these words take us back to Ahaz. Uh, do you remember Ahaz a few chapters ago? Instead of trusting God, what did he do? He was afraid, wasn't he? Instead of going to God and looking to him for salvation, he, he went to the Assyrians. And how did things work out for Ahaz? Well, he wasn't saved at all, was he? He forfeited his salvation and he came, he heard the news that God's judgment was coming upon him. But friends, God is entirely trustworthy when he says that he will save us. Now actually the words here in verse 2, the, the language is actually a direct quote from, from what God said back in the, from what was said at the Exodus when God saved his people out of Egypt. Now I don't know if you remember the story, uh, but, but God's people Israel were, were in Egypt uh, during the Exodus, they were slaves to the Egyptians. And then God said through Moses that he was going to come and save them. He was going to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and bring them to the promised land. And then God came and, and, and he did rescue them. 
with ten a mighty plagues, acts of judgment against the Egyptians. And he brought them out with great wealth and gold and he brought them to the Red Sea. Then the Egyptians, they, they, they followed after and they were chasing and the, the Israelites were feeling afraid. But then God opened, opened the Red Sea and the people walked through on the dry land. The waters fell over and the Egyptians were destroyed. His people were saved. Well, what did his people say as they stood on those shores and they, they saw the great salvation that, that God brought? Well, they actually sang. And they sang the, the words of verse 2 there, The Lord is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. That's Exodus 15 verse 2. See, these words take us back to the Exodus, but, but Isaiah looks forward to a time when they're going to be sung afresh, a, a time when a, an even greater salvation will come, even greater than the Exodus, a, a, a salvation that was, that was not from, from Egypt and slavery in Egypt, but a salvation from, from sin and, and judgment and the anger of God. And the right response in that day, when that salvation comes, what is to say, I will trust you, God, and I will not fear. I will believe in your promise. I will trust in you alone as the one who will bring me salvation. Because, Jesus, you alone are my strength and my song. You are the, alone are the reason that I'm alive. You alone are the, the reason that, that God's anger has, has turned away from me. Thank you so much for what you have done. Friends, when is the last time that you rejoiced in your salvation? Now, when is the last time you said to God, I just want to thank you that your anger has turned to comfort. To thank you that instead of putting it onto me, that, that you send your Messiah Jesus to take your anger in my place. I just want to trust you. I just want to sing of you. I just want to thank you for the salvation you have given me. Isaiah says, when the day of salvation comes, rejoice, rejoice. Verse 3, we see that that this is meant to be the experience of all God's people. And and here we go to the plural, verse 3. With joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. And again, we're, we're taken back to the Exodus time when when, when Israel was feeling parched in the wilderness without any water, but then God brought them to Elam where there was, where there was 12 springs and 70 palm trees to quench their thirst. God says here that, that the wells are not going to be of water. The wells are going to be of salvation. If you're a believer, remember, remember the joy of being saved by God. Now, if you're at a time in your life at the moment when you are feeling, you know, parched and empty and, and unmotivated, well, well, come again. Come again to the well of salvation and fill up your tanks. Come again and remember these wonderful things that God has done for you, that he sent Jesus to die for you. And if you are here for the, for the first time, we, we probably have visitors amongst us here for the first time. If you are here and, 
it's only the first time you've heard of this great news of salvation, then God's word for you today is this. Come, the springs of salvation are open. Come and drink of them. Today is the day for you to, to come and be a part of this wonderful, great salvation that God has brought. Come and put your trust in Jesus. Do not be afraid. Put your trust in him and know for certain that if you do, God's anger will turn to comfort. You will be one of his people, blessed for eternity. See, there is the the individual response to salvation. When that day of salvation comes, we should rejoice and we should trust in God. Well, if that's our individual response, what's, what's the corporate response? What should we as a church be doing as we ponder salvation? As I mentioned in verse 3, we, we move to the plural and, and we find out exactly. Uh, we have a look at verse 4. Verse 4, And you will say in that day, you plural, Give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the peoples, proclaim that his name is exalted. See, firstly, the, the thing that we do individually is the thing that we do corporately as well. We, we give thanks to God for our salvation. Now, do you see, thankfulness should be at the very heart of our meetings whenever we gather together. Every time we meet together, we should be remembering the salvation God has brought and being thankful in our hearts. And we actually need to be doing that so that we can be encouraging one another individually when the hard times hit to keep thanking God for the salvation he has given us. And so over morning tea, I know the the normal process is to to talk about how much Manchester United run the football by this week, but here is another thing that we should be saying to one another, isn't it? These words here, give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name, Make known his deeds among the peoples. Proclaim that his name is exalted. So we need to to tell each other, remind each other, be happy because of what Jesus has done. Call upon his name. Trust in him and, and worship him as your God and make him known. So did you notice something there? There's a shift, isn't it? Our giving thanks to God, our praise. It's meant to lead to proclamation, isn't it? Now, do you see that the early Christians, when they found out the, the glorious news of salvation, what did they do? Well, the book of Acts records them going out to the world, telling everyone that they could find that Jesus was Lord and that salvation had come. See, our, our great Saviour Jesus has done such magnificent things that in our gratitude, it should be told to all all the world, all the nations. Now, I wonder if you've noticed how few commands there are in the Bible uh, to go and share your faith with others. I mean, there there are a couple. There's this this verse here. Uh, there's the Great Commission in Matthew 28, but I can't think of many others apart from that. And here, I think, is the reason why. Christians should not need to be commanded... <laughs> to share their faith with others. Uh, uh, proclamation should just flow naturally, I guess, out of the gratitude for what God has done for us, out of just wanting to, to make him be honoured and glorified in our lives. 
that the one who's experienced salvation, well, they just can't help but share that good news with others. And so if you find at the moment that you are parched, if proclaiming the gospel has kind of dropped off the diary, (laughs) well, it should be on there for that day, that day in which we live. So turn your eyes again to Jesus. Remember the great salvation that he has given you. And out of gratitude, let that, let that flow out to all the people around you. We've got a great opportunity, don't we? <laughs> Two days now until Christmas. It's one of the few times in this, this country when people will actually talk about Christian things, although I know that it's mainly Santa Claus and Jingle Bells. But nonetheless, it's a time for us to be able to invite people into our churches, isn't it? And to celebrate together that God's Saviour has come. You won't find a better time in the year, apart from Easter, to invite people to church and to share with them this wonderful news that the Saviour has come. Now, in fact, just so you don't miss the point, Isaiah actually repeats this for us again in verse 5. Now, sing praises to the Lord, for he has done gloriously. Let this be made known in all the earth. This time it's not giving thanks, this time it's, it's singing, it's, it's praising God. And isn't there something that's so appropriate about doing that? Again, if you look around the world, the only time that people sing is when Manchester United wins the football. But we've got something so much better to sing about than, than a game of kicking a ball around, don't we? Uh, I know football's great. <laughs> But notice here, our, our singing, well, it's, it's not just empty elation, is it? It's not just uh, getting on with the music and just singing, I love you, Jesus, over and over again, is it? Here, when we, when, when we sing, we sing in response to the message of salvation. Just like Israel at the Exodus, as they, they stood at the Red Sea and, and saw the salvation that God had brought and they could only sing, well, it's like that for us. As we reflect on God's salvation, it's, it's so right for it to, to come out in, from our hearts in jubilant song. Friends, when we, when we sing together at church, it's, it's something that's so right. Don't just mumble the words. Sing from the heart. Sing thankfully for all that God has done. And then go and take that message to the world. Verse 5. Sing praises to the Lord, for he has done gloriously. Let this be made known in all the earth. Do you see it again? Praise should lead to proclamation. Praise should lead to proclamation. Are you committed to taking this message of salvation to the ends of the earth? Well, let's start a bit smaller. Are you committed to inviting your neighbour to church? for Christmas Day? Are you committed to to sharing the gospel with your your friends and your colleagues, your family? Are you committed to to bringing this gospel message to to this city, to this country, to the world? Our lives can be a fulfilment of this prophecy that we live in that day when the Messiah has come. And so now is the time for us to get on board with 
God's mission to the world, to bring that message to the ends of the earth. Well, finally, we finish again with the jubilation one more time. Verse 6, Shout and sing for joy, O inhabitant of Zion, for great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel. That's a very appropriate place for this song to end because this has been the theme of the letter so far. The Holy One of Israel, that's God, dwelling with his people. We've seen God and his, his holiness in chapter 6, his, his, his transcendence and his, his moral purity. God, there is, there is no one like him. But we've also seen that his presence is, is something that we cannot take for granted amongst us. Because when, when Judah had sinned against God, well, the holy God came against them as a warrior. He came to destroy them. But that's not for us. See, verse 6, we can shout and sing for joy because that God has not come in judgment this time. When the Messiah Jesus came, he came to bring salvation. He came to live amongst us. See, now we are the people who bear God's name. We are the people who have God dwell amongst us by his Holy Spirit. So now is the time for us to shout and sing for joy, to live lives that, that truly honour him, who exalt him in the world, who, who, who truly honour him as the people who bear his name. Well, finally, I've mentioned a few times this, this song from Exodus 15. Now, on that day, uh, Israel, like I mentioned, stood by the muddy shores of the Red Sea, they looked on as the the Egyptian bodies were washing up on the shore. And I bet they thought to themselves, if it wasn't for God's grace and mercy, they would be the bodies in the water, not the ones on the land. God showed them tremendous grace and as they saw it, they could only uh, just come out in song. But in our New Testament reading, we saw that that song is going to be sung afresh one day. Uh, One day we will witness an an even greater celebration. If you turn to Revelation 15, on that day we will stand actually beside not a sea of of water, but a sea of glass. And we will watch on as as God's enemies are, are burned in the fire on the judgment day. And as we look on and we see those bodies burning in the fire, we will realise that fate should have been ours. God's anger should have been on us if it had not been turned onto Jesus. When we see it, we too will want to stand in God's presence and sing for joy. Sing the song of the Lamb. Turn over to Revelation 15. You'll see it there. Verse 2 on the screen, Uh, and I saw what appeared to be a sea of glass mingled with fire and also those who had conquered the beast and its image and and the number of its name. So they're standing by the sea of glass with harps of God in their hands and they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and amazing are your deeds, O Lord God the Almighty. Just and true are your ways, O King of the nations. Who will not fear, O Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy. 
All nations will come and worship you, for your righteous acts have been revealed. See, as we spend eternity in heaven with God, we will constantly look back to that day when he sent Jesus to be our Saviour and we will sing of the goodness of our God. See, now is the time for us to celebrate, to be refreshed again that Jesus has come to save us. So as we, we go through this Christmas period, as we, as we go through the new year, let's join that glorious chorus singing the song of the Lamb, telling the world of how great he is. When is the last time you rejoiced in your salvation? When is the last time you wanted to just say to God, thank you for saving me. It's so wonderful to be a Christian. We have a glorious salvation. So as we go throughout this year to come, Let us rejoice and let us tell the world everything God has done for us. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we praise you and we thank you that you are the holy God who created the heavens and the earth. And we thank you that you have not come against us in judgment as we deserve. We thank you for your grace and your mercy that you sent your Messiah Jesus, that you fulfilled these promises in Isaiah and that now we can be your people, saved from your anger, assured of eternity with you. Lord, we just want to thank you. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for forgiving us. And we pray that you would help us to trust you day by day and to make you known in all the world. Pray that that would happen this Christmas, that many would hear of your glory and your honour and put their trust in you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.